You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 77. I want to look at that in a moment, but I first want you to see Jeremiah 31. I've never, I've never had such a hard time getting through a chapter in Jeremiah as I've had with this one. Uh, but it's been good, and I hope you've been helped. I know I have been blessed, and uh, I want you to look at verse number 15. I know two weeks ago we got to verse 17, but I wanted to finish up a little bit with verse 15 and uh, 16 and 17. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Jeremiah 31, 15. Did I dismiss the teens yet? I didn't dismiss the teens. Teens will dismiss you. I knew I was forgetting something. Thank you, teens on target. Hope you have a great service with Brother Nathan and Miss Grace. And uh, thank you so much for being in church. I love it when young people come. And these last few Sundays and Wednesdays, I've had several people comment. And they said, we didn't realize how many young people were in the service until you dismissed them. And then they just keep going and going and coming. I mean, it's like the feeding of the 5,000, you know. It's just, you think you got a few and then... Uh, they all go. I guarantee you the workers know they have a lot. I promise you they know it, but uh, in the auditorium you can't always tell. Jeremiah 31, 15, Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rahel, or Rachel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. But notice the answer that God gives in verse number 16, thus saith the Lord, refrain thy voice from weeping. That's not me telling, saying that. That's not a, a pastor or a, a family member, but this is God telling his people. He said, all right, I want you to refrain thy voice from weeping and thine eyes from tears. And here's why. He says, for thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord. God said, I'm going to take your tears, I'm going to turn your tears uh, into uh, rejoicing. God says, I'm going to take your mourning and I'm going to turn that into uh, rejoicing. God has a way of taking the tears and turning them into something good. And it says, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. He said, you're weeping now because of the captivity, but I want to tell you, there's coming a day when the people will come back and they will come back with rejoicing. Verse number 17, this is where we left off two weeks ago. It says, and there is hope in thine end. You ought to circle those three words, there is hope. You ought to mark it in your Bible. You ought to put it on a, a piece of paper and stick it on the refrigerator. And then when you want to know who said it, uh, it wasn't Pastor Jeremy that said it. It wasn't a Sunday school teacher that said it. It was God that said it. There is hope. No matter what you're going through, if God is in the equation, there is always hope. You say, you don't understand my situation. It's impossible. Well, that's exactly the kind of thing that God specializes in. He specializes in things that we would think are impossible. God is able. There is hope in thine end, saith the Lord, that thy children shall come again to their own border. Lord, would you speak to us? Give us what we need from your word tonight. I pray that you'd help me to be, be very clear. Lord, I'm afraid tonight I may go a little too fast trying to get through material, but Lord, help me to slow down and help me to say exactly what you want me to say and exactly what these dear folks need to hear. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would speak to every heart. 
while I do my best to speak to ears and speak to the minds, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd work in our hearts. And uh, I pray that you'd give us exactly the truths and the help that we need tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you hold your place in Jeremiah 31? And would you turn with me, please, to Psalm 77? You know, I, I understand, I, I don't understand every situation. Of course, no one does. But I understand there are situations of weeping. And there are situations of great sorrow. Uh, I, I hear stories uh, from folks, and I think about some of you in this room, and I've heard uh, some of the things that you've been through. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how you do it. Uh, because I have not been through what you're going through. But can I tell you, there is someone that has been through everything you've gone through. His name is Jesus. And uh, he came and he, uh, he took upon him the form of a man. You, you want to know why? So that he could be a man of sorrows and acquainted with our griefs. Jesus knows what it is to feel sorrow. Jesus knows what it is to feel pain. He knows what it is to feel those things. And yet Jesus wants us not to be, uh, be in mourning and weeping, but Jesus wants us to be comforted. Verse number 15 in Jeremiah 31, it says that they refused to be comforted. We talked about two weeks ago, Jacob, when he learned of Joseph, his son, being killed. The Bible says that Jacob said, I will go to my grave with this, and he refused to be comforted. Now I want you to look at Psalm 77. I've read this psalm many times, but I've never seen this truth in Psalm 77 like I saw it in preparation for this lesson. David is praying here, excuse me, Asaph is, is the author who has attributed this psalm. And he says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. Uh, it's good to know that God's listening when you cry, and it's good to know that God hears when you talk to him. But Asaph says, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. So this is a bad situation, right? He said, it's in the day of trouble. We sang the song, uh, life is easy when you're up on the mountain, but then things change and you're down in the valley. But the God of the good times is still God in the bad times. The God of the day is still God in the night. And Asaph says, it was the day of my trouble that I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. So Asaph knew something about sorrow. He knew something about anguish. And he says in verse 3, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Maybe you're here tonight or maybe you're listening to the service tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm dealing with something like what Psalm 77 is describing. And maybe nobody knows about it, but I feel overwhelmed. Uh, maybe it's your schedule right now. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's uh, uh, work responsibilities. Maybe it's your home life, whatever it is, but you feel overwhelmed and you say, I just, I feel like I can't get a break. I feel like I can't get comfort. I feel like there's nothing I can do. Verse four, thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of the ancient times, Asaph says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart. My spirit made diligent search. 
He said, I'm trying to talk to myself and I'm trying to, I'm trying to get myself uh, psyched up and I'm, I'm going back to that song in the night that used to work and it used to bring me comfort. And he says, I feel like nothing is working. Verse 7, Asaph asks the question, will the Lord cast off forever and will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Those are some pretty serious questions that Asaph is asking. He said, is God ever going to come back? Is God ever going to help me? Is God ever going to keep his promises? And that's the, the, the heart cry of Asaph. Hath God forgotten, verse 9, to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Now, now hang on, I, I'd never seen it like this. You know, Job, when he went through that sorrow, Job actually saw God turn things around for him at the end of his life. You remember that? Job 42. And God blessed him uh, and restored his health and God gave him children and God restored uh, all of the wealth and God, God blessed Job. And so Job saw that, right? I mean, he experienced that. Asaph here is saying, God never turned my situation around, but here's what helped Asaph. He said, verse number 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The waters saw thee, O God, the waters saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea and thy path in the great waters and thy footsteps are not known. Thou lettest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And that's the end of the psalm. You know what did it for Asaph? Asaph said, God, you haven't turned my situation around yet. You haven't done any miraculous uh, writing a message in the sky specifically for me. But here's what Asaph said. He said, God, when I think about your power, when I think about your creation, when I think about the sun and the moon and the stars, and I think about the oceans, and I think about the majesty of creation, and I think about all that you have done, Asaph said, Asaph said, that's what brings me comfort to know that whether you choose to change my situation or not, you're more than able. And can I tell you, for you and I, verse number two, here's what he said, my soul refused to be comforted. He said, I'm not going to be comforted. But then he said this, when I saw and I considered the power of God, then I was comforted. Then my situation did change. He said, when I remembered that thou with thine arm redeemed thy people, you saved us, God. You brought us out of Egypt. You did more for us than we could have ever imagined. And he said, because of that, he said, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be a happy camper. You see, you may be here tonight and maybe your situation hasn't changed. And can I tell you, your situation... My situation may never change. God may not change your situation. He may just give you the grace to accept it. He may just give you the strength to carry it. Uh, what did he say to uh, Paul? 
when Paul besought the Lord that he would remove that thorn in the flesh, he said, I besought the Lord three times, and every time God answered Paul by saying, no, I'm not going to remove it. But he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Can I tell you, I hope that you will let God comfort you. Go back to Jeremiah 31, and you say, well, that's encouraging, Pastor. You're saying that things may never get better. Well, they may not, but can I tell you, they might get better. And uh, God is certainly able uh, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Um, refusing to be comforted. Well, what does God do to comfort us? What does God do to help us in our time of trouble? Well, let me give you a couple things by way of introduction. Number one. Jesus sent us a built-in comforter, a person to live inside of us, and he named him the comforter. John 14, Jesus said, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send you the comforter, and he'll lead you, and he'll guide you. And aren't you glad that we have the Holy Spirit? You go through hard times in life, and you say, man, I'm having a bad day. Yeah, but you got the Holy Spirit with you. I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. That's more than the Old Testament saints had. That's more than the, the people of Bible days had. We have the Holy Spirit 24-7 living inside of us. Not only that, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I say hold your place in Jeremiah 31. You got to hold your place there. We're coming back, I promise. But 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Flip there with me if you would in your Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's see what else we have to comfort us. Not only do we have the Holy Spirit of God, but 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of some comfort. Oh, aren't you glad we got the God of some comfort? No, no, it says, and we've got the God of a little bit of comfort. Is that what it says? Oh, no. We've got the God of all comfort. Can I tell you, God's able to give you comfort. God is able to give me comfort. And many times the reason we don't get comforted is because we have decided, I will not. I refuse to accept it. I won't let God help me when God is trying to give us the comfort and the strength that we need for our situation. Not only do we have the comforter, the Holy Spirit, we have the God of all comfort. Psalm 119 tells us that this book right here is the word of comfort. You know, I'll tell you, when you're having a bad day, I'll tell you what'll help you is if you get out the old B-I-B-L-E and you read a, a passage and you read a verse or you read a chapter and you read a promise, I tell you, this book brings comfort and God knew that we would need that comfort. Psalm 23, you know the verse, verse four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they, what? Comfort me. Can I tell you what brings you comfort? It's the presence of God. It's knowing that you're not alone. It's the promise that God said, I am with you. You don't have to be afraid. I'll tell you what else will give you comfort. In heaven, there is comfort. The Bible talks about uh, uh, Lazarus. Uh, and the rich man, and I understand that that it was Abraham's bosom. That was where the Old Testament saints went when they, uh, when they died, those that believed by faith. But uh, the, uh, Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom, and the rich man was in hell. And, 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 and uh, he cried out to Abraham and said, uh, 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 cried out and said, uh, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. 
But Abraham said, but he said, there's a problem. He said, there's a, there's a strait that, that is fixed between the two. And where he is, he is comforted. But where you are, you are tormented. Now, I, I hate the fact that people in hell are being tormented. And that's why we need to reach people. And that's why we're still going. And that's why we're still uh, 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 talking about bus ministry and talking about blitzing and talking about Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and spring revival and Easter Sunday because people that are not saved, they will be tormented forever. But can I tell you what's going to happen in heaven? There will be comfort and there will be peace and there will be rest and there will be joy for all of eternity. You, you may be going through a hard time down here, but I got news for you. This world's not our home. We're just passing through and we're going to a place where there's no more sorrow and there's no more pain. There will be a place of comfort. The people of God will comfort you. Paul told the church at Ephesus, he said, I've sent unto you uh, Tychicus. He said, he will comfort your hearts. Isn't it amazing how God can use people to comfort you? I've had so many people that have, have written notes or sent a text message or made a phone call or just said a word, and to that person, they may not have thought it was a big deal. But God used it to comfort my heart. And can I tell you, God's people are a comfort. That's why you got to get around God's people. That's why you got to make sure you stay in touch with God's people, stay connected, pray for one another, encourage one another. We are a family of God. We must comfort and encourage one another. And then we have great comfort in the promises of God. You know, no matter how bad it gets, aren't you thankful that we know that God's promises never fail? I'm thankful that we can be comforted. Now, go back to Jeremiah 31. We're almost out of time, but we're going to see what we can do here. We see verse number 17. We see that there is hope. We see that God tells his people that there is hope in the end. Verse number 18, we see that God sometimes and many times, depending on the situation, God will chasten or chastise his people. He disciplines his children. Why does God discipline his children? Well, notice verse number 18. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus. Thou hast chastised me, and I was chastised as a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned, for thou art the Lord my God. I am thankful that we have a heavenly Father who loves us enough to correct us and to discipline us so that we do not do more damage than we've already done. Aren't you glad for a heavenly father that corrects us? I'm thankful that I had an earthly father that disciplined me. And I have an earthly mother that when I was a boy, she disciplined me. And Julie and Jennifer, we can tell you stories after church that mom did some of the discipline. Let me tell you, don't let her fool you, you know, because you would never guess it. But can I tell you, I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that I had a mom and a dad that loved me enough to discipline me. And can I tell you, when you experience the chastening of God in your life because of your sin, you ought to say, thank you, Lord, that you love me enough to correct me. You love me enough then to just let me go and do my own thing and ruin my life. I'm thankful that we have a loving Heavenly Father. Verse number 19, surely after that I was turned, I repented. 
And after that I was instructed, I smote upon my thigh. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. We see in verse number 19 that Israel, the nation of Israel, was frustrated. They were ashamed of themselves because of the things they had done. The word confounded, it means humiliated. The word their reproach means it was a shame or it was a disgrace upon them. Uh, the Apostle Paul said something very similar, didn't he? He said, the things that I should do, I don't do those things. And the things that I should not do, those are the things I do. And then he said this, oh, wretched man that I am. He said, I am, I am frustrated with myself. Now, maybe you've never had that problem. Maybe you never sin and you never struggle. But do you ever feel like sometimes you're on, you're on cloud nine, you've just come home from church or you've just, you've just prayed and asked God to help you with something. And then it seems like the next day or the next opportunity, you blow it. The next time you say something rude or the next time you lose your temper or the next time uh, you, you act in pride or whatever it is, or the next time you criticize and you say, why did I do that? I don't want to do that, but I did it. Can I tell you, number one, when we sin, I hope that we're ashamed of our sin. I hope that we're bothered by our sin. But you can't beat yourself up over your sin forever. You know what God says? He says, I got a better way for you to deal with your sin. Rather than beating yourself up and rather than going, oh, I'm so awful and oh, I'm so terrible. God says, why don't you confess it? And if you confess your sin, if I confess my sin, God says he'll do something about it too. He will forgive us and he will cleanse us. And that way you don't have to live a miserable life. You don't have to live a confounded or humiliated a life. You can live with the grace and mercy of God. Aren't you thankful for God's goodness in our lives? But we see verse number 19, Israel was frustrated over their sin. He said, I did bear the reproach of my youth. Uh, I hope we will warn our young people. I hope we'll warn them that the decisions that they're making today have consequences. And those consequences are lasting consequences. I hope that we will encourage them. I hope we'll love them. I hope we'll pray for them. I hope we'll show them the right example uh, to keep them from having that shame and disgrace upon their lives. Verse 20, Ephraim is another name for Israel. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. Uh, verse number, uh, excuse me, verse number 20. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For since I spake against him, I do earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my bowels are troubled for him. I will surely have mercy upon him, saith the Lord. We see in verse number 20 that Ephraim, Israel, was dear to God. You know, as much as Israel sinned, as much as Israel turned their back on God, God still loved them. Aren't you glad that God still loves us no matter what? Aren't you thankful that uh, although we get away from God, that he loves us and he, 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 he desires us to come back to him? I'm thankful that God's heart is troubled when we go astray. I'm thankful that God doesn't give up on us. I hope we don't give up on one another. I hope you don't give up on your kids or hope you don't give up on your grandkids. I hope you don't give up on those who have gone astray because we ought to love them and we ought to pray for them and we ought to plead with God to bring them back and pray for God's mercy upon their lives. God cares about us. He loves us even when we wander. His heart is still broken 
because of His great love for us. Notice verse 21. Set thee up way marks. Make thee high heaps. Set thine heart toward the highway. Even the way which thou wentest, turn again, O virgin of Israel, turn again to these thy cities. Verse 21 has got some interesting expressions. One, it says, set thee up waymarks. A waymark was a signpost. Now, we take that for granted because every road that you go on, unless you get real rural, if you get real rural, then you have to say you turn by the old barn. Actually, you turn by the old barn that used to be there, you know what I mean? Uh, or you turn by the old oak tree. Oh, wait, they cut that one down, you know. But otherwise, we have signposts, right? We have street names that are marked and identified. But you have to remember in Bible times, they didn't have that like we do today. In some of the cities, they may have had something. But in most places, they did not. And so they would have to set up some kind of a marker, some kind of a post to let people know this is the way to go or this is the way not to go. So it says set up uh, the, the way marks, verse number 21, and make the high heaps. That word literally is the word pillars or landmarks. They would make something real tall so it was very visible. So when someone was passing that way, they could see that pillar. They could see that marker there and know that that was the way to go. You see, verse 21, God was telling his people to set up some markers. And then he said this, set thine heart toward the highway. He said, set, set your heart and set your affection and set your mind towards the right way and towards the way that you should go. You know why we need to work on our hearts? Because our heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately wicked. Uh, the songwriters, matter of fact, uh, Robert Robinson, I wrote his name down, I knew I'd forget it. Robert Robinson was the one who wrote that song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Robert Robinson, as a young man, he lost his father. And uh, he uh, went into the, the city and he went to do an apprenticeship and he was away from his mom and away from his family and he got with the wrong crowd. And he started running with a rough bunch and one day they ran into a, a preaching service and literally disrupted the preaching service, but he stayed long enough to hear a, an old preacher who was preaching. And that preacher got up and that preacher said, you need to get ready for judgment that is coming. Something about that message grabbed Robert's attention and uh, he was shaken by it and he stayed and listened to that message and he got saved. He began to study the Bible. He began to go to services, began to get with pastors and as a young man, he himself started preaching. At the age of 23, he wrote that song and he wrote those words, uh, uh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Many years later, about 30 years later, you've probably heard the story. He was riding on a stagecoach, but something had happened. As a preacher, as a Christian, as a man of God, he himself had gotten away from the Lord. He had stopped preaching. He had become even to where he himself was questioning God. And uh, he had gotten away from God. He was backslidden. And he was riding on a stagecoach. And while he was riding on the stagecoach, there was a young lady on that stagecoach that was singing that very song. Come thou fount of every blessing, 
Tune my heart to sing thy praise. She was singing that song. And she had a hymn book there and she was singing it and she showed it to Robert. And she said, have you ever heard this song? And he looked at her and he said, ma'am, he said, I am the unhappy man that many years ago wrote those very words to that song. He said, if I had a thousand worlds, she said, I don't, but if I had a thousand worlds to give, I'd give them all just to know the peace and joy that I had when I wrote that song. And can I tell you, that's the way all of our hearts are. You, you can't ever think, I, I, I'm good. That'll never happen to me. I'll never backslide. I'll never get away from God. I don't have to read my Bible today. I don't have to pray today. I don't need church. I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. I don't need God to tell. I've got it all figured out. I, I've arrived. Yeah, you've arrived, but not the place you want to be. You've arrived at a place of pride and arrogance, so much so that you've already wandered from God. But can I tell you this? We are all prone to wander. That's why verse 21 you need to set up some way marks and you need to set up some high heaps. And you know, many times we think those markers are for other people and, and, and rightly so. I think we should set up some things for our children and the young people coming after us and, and, and new Christians coming after us. I think we ought to set up some markers to warn them and to point them in the right way. But you know, sometimes those markers are there for us to remind us of what we truly believe. And to remind us of what really matters and what's really important in life. And if we're not careful, we ourselves can get off course. And we ourselves can become backslidden. And then may God help us to get back on the right way. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. Led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.